You are listening to the Fantasy Advantage Podcast, hosted by my dad. Welcome back to the Fantasy Advantage Podcast. I am your host, Scott Morrow. Today we're going to look at a couple different things. We're going to start with some recent training camp news and notes and kind of how that affects the fantasy landscape in general. And then also we're going to look at uh, week one DFS main slate pricing came out this past week on like Tuesday or Wednesday. So we're going to go through some of the uh, some of the interesting pricing decisions that DK made, as well as some people that I think are values or uh, just some stuff, really a, a first look at what that looks like. So let's start with the training camp news. Uh, Hall of Fame game was this past Thursday. Really not a whole lot going on in the Hall of Fame game. Everyone's excited for football to get back, and then three minutes in, everyone's like, wow, this this really isn't real football. Just a couple... Really, you know, the biggest thing everyone's talking about is Josh Jacobs, right? Why did he play so much? Um, Josh Jacobs played 10 of the first 11 snaps, while the rest of the starters, Derek Carr, Darren Waller, Devonta Adams, didn't play one snap. So does this really mean anything? I don't really think so. Josh Jacobs is still the starter. There's just a new coaching staff there, and I think they just they have a lot of backs, and they wanted to get an idea of where they could use them. Josh McDaniels is obviously the head coach there, and he came from New England where he was the offensive coordinator, and they would use all sorts of backs, and sometimes they would use backs that you know, were fourth string as second string. Uh, so I really think they're just trying to figure out what to expect from their backups behind Jacobs, but they also wanted to have Jacobs get some run as well. I think the one encouraging part was that Jacobs actually ran six pass routes which for him is pretty good, especially when he uh, only played a little bit. So uh, not really overly worried about Josh Jacobs. Just wanted to point that out because a lot of people are talking about that. I still think that he is a top 24 running back and a very good RB2. Uh, He goes somewhere around the fifth round, uh, maybe even a little bit higher than that, but somewhere around like probably pick 65, somewhere in that range. I do own Josh Jacobs on a fair amount of my best ball teams as a as my RB2, and I do think he's good value. I do think that what's really interesting here is uh, Zamir White, which was the running back that the Raiders took in the draft. I thought he actually looked pretty good. He looked like he belonged in the NFL. I think listening to a lot of the, the scouts offseason here said that he was not big enough. And I thought they ran him in between the tackles. They did a little. They did some pitches to get him on the outside running. Um, but I thought they did a pretty good job. So uh, I do think that he'll likely be the backup or the change of pace back. I don't think that he'll have the pass catching role um, that you know third and long or whatever. I do think that that's going to be a Kenyon Drake role, and not necessarily as Amir White. And that doesn't come. That doesn't actually have anything to do with Amir White's ability to catch the ball. It has to do with the fact that usually rookies are not very good in pass pro. So pass protection is a huge thing on third and dot. You know, if it's third and eight. You know, who are you going to have in there? A rookie when there's a linebacker coming up the middle and he doesn't know how to read the the pass protection and know that, you know, there's everyone sliding left or sliding right and he's got to pick up, you know, somebody coming up the middle. So I wouldn't be surprised if Kenyon Drake took a, uh, took on that role. Not much on the Jag side. They pretty much sat everybody, which was as expected for that game. Julio Jones signing in Tampa Bay. 
I, I, I think that a lot of people thought Tampa Bay would sign somebody. Uh, I did. I, we weren't sure if it would really be Julio Jones, but uh, I, th- I do think that they're. Everyone seems to be talking like they're going to kind of like limit his snaps and his hits and his routes run, which makes total sense. I mean, I think he's played like four games in the last couple of years combined. So, and if you look at the injuries that he's had, it's all been soft tissue injuries, you know, like hamstrings and quads. And those are things that tend to linger, as a lot of fantasy people know. You know, you'd rather have a guy break his wrist and know that, hey, that's four to six weeks he's out, where, you know, if he has a hamstring injury, I mean, he could play a game and then he'll play one snap and then he's out and he doesn't play two games and he might try to come back. So it's it's a lot tougher. So I do think that when Julio Jones plays, he's going to be a, a red zone monster, uh, a nightmare for other teams to match up with. I mean, now you got Julio on one side and Mike Evans on the other side. I mean, those are two kind of go up and get them um, pass catchers for the Patriots. And you know how much, I mean, think back when Tom Brady had Randy Moss I mean, he just threw the ball up there and Moss went and got it. And now he's got two of those guys. So I do think that Julio Jones will take on the Gronk role um, in the red zone. But I don't really expect him to play a ton in between the 20s, uh, except for the fourth quarter. So he's currently being taken around pick 160. But I've seen him actually go in like the 120s, which is around the 10th round in a 12-team draft. Deshaun Watson's court case and that saga and kind of debacle of what's going on there. So not getting into all of the politics and all of that of it, but basically six game suspension from the league is now being appealed by the NFL. The rumors are the NFL once a year suspension. Now it's in the hands of a guy named Peter Harvey, who was an NFL legal advisor uh, prior to uh, doing what he does now. He was part of the team uh, that helped with the NFL's personal conduct policy about seven years ago, six years ago, and also was on part of the team on the Ezekiel Elliott six-game suspension from 2017. There's no deadline for him to rule, but everyone says that it'll be expedited, whatever that means. Either way, not drafting Amari Cooper, not drafting Deshaun Watson at all right now. A couple of the Browns that I will draft, though, I will draft David Njoku, more on him more on him to come later, and also Kareem Hunt. Now, if you've heard of the news the last 24 hours, Kareem Hunt's not happy that he doesn't have a new contract and that sort of thing. I'm not surprised there. If you remember Kareem Hunt, you know, I mean, he had some off the field legal situations in Kansas City, but he was incredible. So I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I don't think they're going to trade him. I don't think that's in the best interest of the Browns. And it seems like Kareem Hunt said he wants to stay there. But if Jacoby resets the quarterback for the whole year, I don't know that I don't know that I would want to stay there. But if Kareem Hunt gets traded, that is a very interesting thing and maybe something I'll talk about on a on a further episode of the pod, but that would increase not only his value, but the value of, I mean, the team that he gets traded to, depending on who it is, I mean, could be, you know, massive value for that. A couple other recent training camp news or things to watch. Um, the Bills slot receiver role. So the third receiver on the Buffalo Bills. So you've got Stefan Diggs, wide receiver one, top 14 pick. And then you've got Gabriel Davis, who's just exploding, you know, had four touchdowns in the playoffs last year and just absolutely exploding. So everyone loves Gabe Davis going a little bit higher than I'd like, but I've actually seen him slip down lately. Uh, I actually got him in the end of the fifth round in a draft the other day as my fourth wide receiver. So I was pretty happy with that. But in the, the slot role last year, you know, Cole Beasley had whatever. I didn't even, I didn't look it up, but I think Cole Beasley had somewhere around like 65 or 70 targets last year. And 
Josh Allen loves the, his slot receiver. So who's going to take on that role? They signed Jamison Crowder from the Jets, who was really good two years ago. Had him a bunch last year. Injuries, again, older player. They have a, a, a younger player named Isaiah McKenzie. He got some some run a little bit last year. He was the fourth wide receiver or even the fifth wide receiver sometimes behind Cole Beasley. And then they also drafted a rookie, Khalil Shakir, who's getting a little bit of pub and training camp here. I do think that Jamison Crowder is going to win that job. Now, I, I don't think that Shakir is is really a, a threat. I do think he'll get on the field once in a while just to see what he has. Um, but I don't see a rookie kind of cracking that spot. I think it's between Crowder and McKenzie. Uh, McKenzie's kind of little, you know, um, you know, he, he's a little bit more of what I would call like a gadget guy. You know, you think of some, a player like Rondale Moore from the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie's a little bit bigger, is a little bit taller than that, but like, he's not, he's lean, you know, he's quick, you know, he's a quick screen guy. You know, he's a guy that you want to do an end around with. Uh, he can do a lot of different things. I just don't see him as the everyday slot receiver for the Buffalo Bills. But if he does get that role, there is value there, and he is being taken in the 17th, 18th round of drafts now, where a month ago he wasn't being taken at all. Trey Lance is quarterback one for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Jimmy Crapolo is awkwardly working in training camp, but like on a different field. Have you seen any of those practice videos? I mean, that's like super weird, so I'm not really sure <laughs> – uh, what's going to happen there? If something does happen there, it would definitely change change the NFL landscape to whoever he traded them to. You know, wake up Seattle, basically. I don't know what they're doing. But anyways, Trey Lance is, is QB1 in San Francisco. And that's a run-first offense. Trey Lance, in his limited work last week, I'm sorry, last year, uh, you know, he, he played pretty well from a fantasy perspective. Now, from a real football perspective, not really sure that you would say he played that well. Completion percentage under 55%, uh, not great. But from a fantasy perspective, he's a guy that I'm super interested in. So uh, last episode, I told you that I drafted a lot of Kyler Murray, which is very true. My number one owned player is Kyler Murray. Uh, Number two owned quarterback uh, would probably be Jalen Hurts. So obviously a little bit of trend here, kind of like guys who run. Again, they get six points per rushing touchdown and only four points per passing touchdown. Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts give you a little bit of both. Trey Lance, for where you can get him, he was going around pick 90 or 95 about three weeks ago, and now he's moved up uh, He's moved up into the 80s. So I do think, you know, if you miss out on the Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Tom Brady, you know, he's going right around like Derek Carr now and then a little bit before Kirk Cousins. And I think I've mentioned it before, but like as a QB1, especially in like best ball, where you can only start one quarterback, Kirk Cousins is like my line of delineation. Like I'm not going to take a, a a number one quarterback that's any worse than Kirk Cousins. So I have been getting a little bit of Trey Lance, and typically I don't pair him up with anybody else because I do expect most of his points to come on the rushing side versus the pass, passing side. And lastly, on our training camp news and notes for this evening is wide receivers getting paid. So since since the last episode. Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, and Deontay Johnson all got paid. And to be honest, I think all those deals are actually pretty good for the players, and I don't mind them for the teams. You know, I think DK is going to get – he's able to 
get his second contract when he's like 27 or I, I think like his next big contract, which is, I mean, pretty good for wide receivers. They, you know, they can play into their, into their early to mid thirties and still be really strong. Now from a fantasy perspective, I do think D- Debo is the, the one that everyone wants to talk about. I think, you know, Terry's going to be kind of be what he is. He's obviously wide receiver one in Washington. DK's got no quarterback to throw it to him, but Hey, if somebody gets traded, hello, Jimmy G, if Jimmy G gets traded to the Seattle Seahawks, I mean, DK top 20 wide receiver right away. And then Deontay Johnson, again, you know, they've got a veteran quarterback in Mitch, and then they've got the rookie quarterback in Kenny Pickett. I do like Deontay more than other people, but I don't think that his, he just got a two-year extension. I don't think that really changes a whole lot. So for Debo, I, I think the interesting part is the rushing incentives. So I don't have it in front of me, but it was like, I think he could make like $3 million more or something like that out through the whole contract if he hits these rushing incentives and it's basically rushing yards and touchdowns so that's what made him such an incredible player last year was the fact that he would line up in the backfield and he's i mean he's the most dynamic player on the field doesn't matter if he's running the ball or catching the ball whatever it is so Debo's right now a top 20 consensus player and being taken in the middle of the second round i looked up his adp a couple minutes ago it's currently 19 as an average across five different sites. I really haven't been taking a whole lot of Debo because I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. I still don't, I don't think he wants to run the ball, but the fact that these incentives are in there leads me to believe that they may put some of that in there. And the incentives aren't even that hard to get. I don't have them up, but it was like three touchdowns, I think for a year. And he got like $300,000 or something. So something he could easily do. What I've been doing lately is I've been taking guys like Tyree Kill and Mike Evans over him. Uh, kind of in that, you know, in that range, if I've got a top, you know, top five pick. And so then on the turn, when it comes back to me, I'm somewhere around that 20 range. You know, I've been going with Tyreek Kill and Mike Evans over, over Debo, but he's definitely, uh, definitely in the mix. All right. And now let's, now let's take a look at uh, DraftKings DFS Daily Fantasy Week one, I want to kind of take a first look at the pricing. Uh, not going to make a team, but just, you know, I went through the pricing. I did make kind of a couple, you know, quick teams of uh, kind of what I, I thought would be some good values. Uh, not only some good values, but some good matchups for uh, for week one specifically. Now, I think we're 33 days away as of today from uh, the first game, which means we're whatever, 36 days away, 37 days away from week one. So I won't be looking at the the opening game uh, with the uh, the Bills and the Rams, but I'll be looking at week one and everything on that slate. So here we go. Um, so <clears throat> I haven't really got much into DFS on this pod yet. I will likely do this every week during the season. Uh, DFS is a big part of my game. Really enjoy it. I uh, love the strategy behind it. Love being able to find values, and if you pay attention to the league itself, it really helps. So, one of the things that I like to focus on for most of my DFS lineups is a quarterback who is inexpensive because I like to pay up at other positions, and also somebody who has some rushing value. So, we'll start off this by looking at a couple quarterbacks here. The first one is Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is super cheap on DK. He's like 5,000. And he's actually cheaper than some backups, which is really interesting. It makes me kind of wonder if 
the sport if they know something that we don't like he's cheaper than jimmy g like i don't understand why he's cheaper than jimmy g but anyways he's playing a middle of the road defense i mean tennessee's defense and is really i mean they're okay that's fine but that's a little bit of a sneaky higher scoring game because both defenses kind of stink so i mean you can kind of plug and play whoever you want all the expensive running backs and some wide receivers in there if you want with daniel jones but Daniel Jones has a rushing floor. I mean, he'll get you 30, 35 rushing yards in a game, again, which is that extra three, three and a half points. He's the cheapest starting uh, quarterback that I would play. I think Jacoby Brissett might be a little bit cheaper, but I'm not going to play him. So really interesting play with Daniel Jones if you want kind of a value at quarterback. Derek Carr is the uh, the other one that I think is a little bit underpriced uh, for week one. Uh, he has a high implied total. Uh, so his what that means is it's a team implied total. So every game has a has a total points that you know about, and there's also a team two each team has a total that goes into that. Uh, they also have a, a very high game total, like I mentioned. So they play the Chargers in Week One, and that game could be an absolute shootout. And Derek Carr could easily have four touchdowns and 400 yards. So I do think that he's an incredible value. And then you have Jalen Hurts. So I mentioned Jalen Hurts earlier. I really like Jalen Hurts every week, um, but especially week one because he goes up against our Detroit Lions. And Lions defense is not so good. They've tried to make some improvements. I do think they've made some improvements in the secondary, which were much needed. But Jalen Hurts, he can throw the ball okay, but, I mean, his value is running the ball. So uh, Jalen Hurts, it wouldn't surprise me if he had – two rushing touchdowns, a passing touchdown, two rushing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns in week one against the Lions. So uh, he's a little bit more expensive in the 6,000 range. But going against the Lions defense, I do think that that's a, a really good start uh, for Jalen Hurts. Now going to running back. So a lot of players like to kind of have you know inexpensive quarterbacks and they'll pay up at some of the positions like running back and wide receiver and maybe pay down at tight end and defense. So a couple guys here at running back. First one would be CMC, Christian McCaffrey. Best fantasy player of all time, basically, since like Marshall Falk. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. I remember playing with Marshall Falk in like 99 and 2000 when I first started. It was he was putting up numbers no one else, no one else was. He was the number one or number two pick every year. So I mean, when Chris, when Christian McCaffrey's healthy, he's the best player in fantasy, no question. I remember a couple years ago. He would be 9,800 on DK, whatever whatever he was, you just played him every week. Because if you didn't, he was going to smash. I mean, he's going to score 30-plus points no matter what. So week one, he's 8,500, and they play the Cleveland Browns. So that's the cheapest you're going to get CMC probably all year. Uh, it, I will probably say he'll be in easily 60% of my lineups. Elvin Kamara, 7,600. I'm just going to say Atlanta's defense sucks. Like they they just they they don't have very many good players. Atlanta doesn't. Now if Alvin Kamara doesn't get suspended, which I don't think he's going to now as court gate court date got pushed to the end of September, then I really think that Kamara's just going to dominate that game. I they will get Mark Ingram I think mixed in there. I think they will win that game very easily. That's a game where I wouldn't play any I would likely not play any Atlanta pass catchers cuz I think that they'll be up, you know, 21 to 3 early and just kind of run the ball out and just win the game fairly easily, but Kamara's going to get all the high the high leverage touches 
and uh, he'll likely get all the goal line work, both passing and rushing. So Kamara's a good play, along with CMC, in the higher range for running back. One of the less expensive running backs that I think is a big value uh, for DFS in Week 1 is Travis Etienne. So the Jags, they play Washington in Week 1. And Washington's defense last year was like everyone expected it to be incredible because in 2020 they were really good. Chase Young got a bunch of young players. And Jonathan Allen, I think, is the other defensive end. And they just were pretty terrible last year. Chase Young got hurt. He's likely not playing in week one. But even if he was, it doesn't really matter. I mean, Travis Etienne at 5,600, uh, he's going to be RB1. That game. Could be a little bit of a shootout. The Jags defense, not that good. If you watch the Hall of Fame game, I know they didn't play anybody, but still they 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 gave up 30-something points to like all second and third string players with the Raiders. So who knows? Travis Etienne could have eight or nine catches just in, in week one. So I love him in season long, and I love him in best ball, and I think week one could definitely be an interesting spot for him. Now moving out to wide receiver, I got a couple a couple wide receivers here that I think are interesting, interestingly priced on DK. First one we've talked about him, a lot of different episodes. Michael Pittman Jr., Indianapolis Colts wide receiver. He's just too cheap. He's fifty five hundred. He should be seven thousand. I mean, he's the number one wide receiver on a team that is. They play the Houston Texans. This game should not be that difficult to win. Now I know a lot of people would say, "Oh, well, they're just going to run Jonathan Taylor," and you know, uh, you know, blah 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 blah. It's like, well, actually, the Texans can score. Now, you know, Jonathan Taylor's a good play too. I think he's ninety one hundred, a little expensive for me. But I mean, my, who else are the Colts going to throw to? Like, I mean, Al, you know, they have Alec Pierce. He's a rookie wide receiver. I mean, they just don't have anybody else. I mean, Pittman at fifty five hundred is crazy. Jamison Williams, the Detroit. Wider, uh, the Lions wide receiver who from Alabama that broke his leg in the national championship game, he's 5,600. He's $100 more than Michael Pittman, and he's not playing. So I don't understand what DK was doing, but let's let's take the value and just kind of move on. Now, one of the things that I would say in this situation, Michael Pittman will be owned, if you're playing like one of the big tournaments like the Millie Maker or something like that, Michael Pittman will be in... 75% of lineups. So if you want to differentiate yourself, pick somebody else that's 55, 56, 5400 just in that same price range that that's not Michael Pittman. Now I mostly play cash games, which we'll get into that in another episode, but I'll have Michael Pittman in I would say 80% of lineups probably. Uh he will be a uh an auto add for me no question because it'll allow because yeah, I think he should be 7000 or whatever and it will allow me to get guys like CMC and Kamara and all those other, you know, uh, really good players that I want to get. Some other wide receivers. the Just the Chiefs wide receivers in general. I have no idea which one's going to hit. But in week one, one of them is going to hit. They play... Um, uh, so in week one, they... Uh, Hard, uh, McCole Hardman is 4,600. And Sky Moore is only 3,800. So... I'm. I expect that. I expect them to to kind of you know just come out, come out and just throw the ball. So I don't know which Chiefs wide receiver is going to hit. I'm not really on Juju. I I didn't write down his price, but he's a little bit more expensive. I'm I'm probably not on Juju on week one because usually if it's like there's three wide receivers or X amount of wide receivers, I just like to take the cheapest one. Now in this case, it's Sky Moore, and what we're hearing out of camp is that Sky Moore is just absolutely killing it. 
And Hardman's always a disappointment, but you never know. I mean, maybe without Tyreek Hill, without, you know, all of that, maybe Hardman's the guy. I mean, he's got the speed. So just the Chiefs wide receivers in general, if you can figure out which one's going to hit, I do think that you'll have an uh, advantage against the field. Last wide receiver to talk about today from week one right now is DJ Sharp from Detroit Lions. So he's really showing off in training camp. And for those of you that remember him with the Jags a couple of years ago, I mean, he was a top 60 player. I mean, he was taken in the first five, six rounds. I mean, he was, before he got injured, like, I mean, he was a good player. Um, and that was with nobody throwing him the ball. Now, Jared Goff's not anybody, but he's not, you know, the worst or one of the three worst quarterbacks in the league. So the Lions are going to be behind a lot. They're going to throw the ball a lot. And I think DJ Shark is going to be a really, really good player. And at 4,800 in week one against the Eagles, who I do think actually have a good secondary, but I think that the Lions are going to be behind, so they're just going to throw a bunch. I think that DJ Shark will likely be $1,000 more in week two. So if he has, let's say, in week one, he has, you know, seven catches for 85 yards and a touchdown, right? So if he has something like that, I think he'll easily be 5,800, if not 6,000 in week two. So moving on to tight ends. So first tight end I'd already mentioned before is David Njoku. He's 3,900. Deshaun Watson, Case. Jacoby Brissett's definitely, well, not definitely, he's likely starting week one. And if you remember Jacoby Brissett from when he played for the Colts a couple years ago, he doesn't throw it down the field. Legitimately doesn't. He throws it to his tight ends and his running backs. So we talked about Kareem Hunt and how much I like him above. Uh, week one, so-so on that. Uh, wait to be seen. But David Njoku just got paid. He's the only tight end that's on their roster that, I mean, he's so so much more talented than any other tight end on the roster. So I don't hate that. At 3,900, it's pretty cheap. Zach Ertz, 4,400. I love Zach Ertz in best ball, and I love him in week one. So Kansas City plays against Arizona in week one. So we're just talking about the Chiefs wide receivers, and they're playing against Arizona. That game is probably going to be a shootout, and who would be surprised if Zach Ertz saw six-plus targets? And six-plus targets at 4,400 is pretty good value. So I think you'll see a lot of people with the Kyler Murray-Zacherts stack in week one. Last tight end for week one that was interesting to me was Gerald Everett at 3,300. He's probably the least expensive tight end that I'm comfortable, uh, that I think will get like four-plus looks in a game that's going to be super high-scoring. Again, It's that's the, the Vegas, the Raiders versus the... That's the Raider, uh, the the Raiders versus the Chargers. So I think that game is going to be super high scoring. Gerald Everett is a way better player than people give him credit for. He was uh, behind behind Tyler Higby in L.A. and I just think that Gerald Everett's going to get a fair amount of looks in a game that could be really high scoring. So thirty eight hundred. I think the only guy that's less than him, I think he might be thirty seven hundred, is Cole Komet. And the Bears are playing at home. Cole Komet had a pretty good report with Justin Fields. So I, there's a chance you could go there. That game's just going to be too low scoring for me. Uh, it's the Bears versus the 49ers. So too, too, too low scoring for me. Now moving on to defense. 
there's two defenses defense if you've played dfs before uh i don't pay up for the top defense uh generally not the top three defense uh, i usually go to the bottom right away try to find the cheapest defense that i can that i think isn't going to get just absolutely rocked and rolled but you never know when someone's going to get a pick six and that sort of stuff so you know there might be one week a year where there's bad weather or an injury to a backup quarter to a starting quarterback so a backup has to play or a rookie that's the only time that you'll pay up for a defense but for the most part cheap defenses is the way to go so washington um is the cheapest defense uh that is a favorite so they play uh, Jacksonville, so Washington's defense is the the cheapest. That is a favorite in the the betting world. So a lot of people will look at who's the favorite, uh, and then they'll try to find the cheapest defense. So I don't mind Washington's defense. Again, earlier I said that I don't think they're going to be that good, but they're also playing Jacksonville. So, I mean, they could throw a bunch of picks. They could have a pick six, a bunch of sacks. Again, all you want is sacks, interceptions, that's, that's turnovers, fumbles. That's all that matters for a defense. I mean, how many points they give up? doesn't really matter that much overall but can they get turnovers sacks and fumbles and then the last defense that i that i think is interesting is actually the steelers so week one the steelers go to cincinnati they're the steelers are just too cheap and they're a top they were a top 10 defense from 2021 and they return like almost all their starters i mean tj watt Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, they got a lot of good players, like a lot of good players. Now they had a couple of people retire, but still most people, if you're just looking at defensive rankings for just season long fantasy that where you draft a defense, I mean, the Steelers are like between six and 10. So now for DFS, we're only looking week by week, but week one's kind of a crapshoot. And I don't know if, if everyone's aware, but Joe Burrow had his appendix removed the other day, like a week ago. And he's expected back from week one, but, I mean, maybe he's not 100%. I mean, maybe he's just not feeling that great. Maybe he's off. So, you know, the Bengals' offensive line is uh, much improved in terms of they 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 signed a bunch of players, they drafted a couple guys, but, I mean, those guys haven't played together. So maybe week one they're not that good. So, again, I'm just looking for any way that I can talk myself into a cheap defense that allows me to pay up for CMC and Derrick Henry, you know, and all these other, like, really great players. So, um, so anyways, that's uh, that's kind of my, my first look at DFS week one on DraftKings. And I'll definitely do a couple more on week one as we get going and kind of maybe go through actually building a lineup for week one. Uh, one thing I would... Uh, definitely recommend doing would be going there and reserving some spots so you can reserve a spot on DraftKings by going in there and hitting reserve you'll pay for it whatever the price is and then it'll just reserve you don't actually have to set your lineup and the reason to do that is because some of the more popular ones uh, like some of the big double ups that I like to do there's always a big $5, a big $10, and a big $25 double up. Those fill up pretty quickly in week one because there's so much time in between when it's when they come out and when the season starts. And those are ones that are, I mean, they're, they're pretty easy to double up in. So I would highly recommend reserving um, and then just going back through and setting your lineups. So appreciate you guys listening today. A lot of stuff going on in the NFL world and especially in the fantasy world. And we will continue to cover it all here on the Fantasy Advantage podcast. Look forward to the NFL season starting and all the preseason stuff taking place this week. Take care, everybody. Bye.